I was uh, putting some food down the garbage disposal uh, just recently when all of a sudden the disposal just stopped and I hate when things break. I, I do and so I was already kind of panicking as I was thinking about that and I know things don't work as long as, as they used to but we put this in this past summer, right? And so come on, uh, things are supposed to last a little bit longer than that but I paused and I thought about it for a little bit and uh, started to do some problem solving, realizing okay, this could be just a, a simple issue uh, that hopefully can be remedied and so I remembered that you know your garbage disposal can get locked up and so typically your garbage disposal comes with kind of a small wrench and so I found that and I got underneath the garbage disposal and found the place where you insert the wrench and I turned it but there was no issue there and so that really didn't seem to be the problem and so again I, I just did a little more thinking and then I realized you know what I, I wonder if this garbage disposal has something like a reset button on it. And so sure enough, I got under the sink and kind of reached around there and wouldn't you know it, there was a button on the bottom of the machine and I pushed the button and voila, things back to life. The garbage disposal has been working fine ever since. Sometimes the reset button is all that it takes and it's similar with your computer uh, or something like your phone. If you've ever found that technology isn't working like it's supposed to work, sometimes what do you do, right? You, you shut it down, you wanna restart it so that it has an opportunity uh, to reset and get to working right again. No surprise that the new year uh, is like a, a big reset for many. How, how many of you are new year's kind of priorities, resolutions, kind of think through goals kind of people? I, I like hitting reset uh, at the new year. I like thinking through kind of my life and the way that I spend my time. It's a, a chance to evaluate priorities and, and relationships. I, I once heard someone describe uh, that this time of year can be a great chance to check the RPMs in your life. You know what the RPMs are, right? If you've got a car and uh, you've got the speedometer and just to the left of that, there's the RPMs gauge. The, the RPMs gauge gives you kind of an evaluation of how the engine is running. You know, it, RPM stands for revolutions per minute. And, uh, and, it, and it works in your life too. If you think about RPMs in your life, you can evaluate how you're doing by thinking about your personal RPMs. It stands for relationships. Uh, you can think about things like your physical health, your mental health, your, your spiritual life, you know, your RPMs. Again, uh, it's how things are working. And so when it comes to my relationships, you know, I might ask questions like, do I, I prioritize time with my wife and with my kids? Am I, am I spending time with the right people? Do I, I have people in my life? Am I involved in something like a connection group? The P stands for physical. You know, you think about your physical health, like what's my exercise routine like? Do I drink enough water now that Christmas has ended? The sweets, right, need to go to the side. What do I need less of in my life? What do I need more of in my life? It's also a great time to kind of evaluate how you're doing mentally. And so you might ask questions like, am I learning new things? How, how much time do I spend reading versus spending time uh, streaming uh, shows? How, how much time do I spend looking at my phone? And then the spiritual piece, the S, is am I spending time at the feet of Jesus? Do I, do I read my Bible? Uh, can, can I look back over the past year and see growth when it comes to things like my, my prayer life? Am I an active part of, of my church family? The RPMs, relationships, physical, mental, and spiritual, they, they help measure how the engine is doing. It's also a good way to evaluate how you're living. Sometimes, if we're honest, we discover we need a reset. And uh, as we flip the count, 
calendar from one year to the next year, uh, this time of the year can be a great time to do just that. Well, today we're starting a series, a four-week series here at Genesis we're calling Reset. And while we all need time to evaluate how we're doing personally, I think this is also a great time for us as a church to evaluate how we're doing, to reset, and to make sure that we are focused on just the right things. And not because something is going wrong, because it's not that, but the truth is that so much has happened in our world over the last few years and in our community and, and again, certainly in our church and, and lots of good things, all right, but plenty of distractions too. And so while I'm really grateful for where we are as a church family, I wanna make sure that we stay focused on the things that we believe to be the most important to us, the things that we're called to as a church as followers of Jesus. And so revisiting some of the priorities of our church over the next few weeks are gonna be good reminders for those of us that have been around for a while, but also helpful to those of you that maybe are new. All right, maybe you've just come to Genesis in the last few months or something. And so if you're curious about what matters to us as a church and what makes our church family unique, Sundays in January are gonna provide a really good picture for you about what really matters to us. And so over the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about things like our mission as a church and our vision as a church. We're gonna talk about the importance of prayer and how we really need to step up our prayer game as a church family. And all of this is in preparation for an all-church study through the book of Acts that will begin on Sunday mornings in February that we're really excited about. If you just think back over the last couple of years with us, it was in 2020 that we did, a, was it 2020? One of those. We, we did a series called Planted where we read through the Bible over the course of the year. Last year we did Grow where we looked at, at the book of John and what it means to grow in our faith and as a church family. This year we're gonna spend a lot of our time in Acts. Uh, we're gonna call this series Sent because we believe we are sent people, that we are here on this earth for a reason. And so we're gonna have a lot of fun working through Acts Again, that'll begin in February, but everything we do in January is going to prepare us for that Acts study. But today, I wanna start by talking about our church's mission statement, which is helping people find their way back to God. And this has always been the mission statement of Genesis Church, going all the way back to the beginning. In fact, 2023 is 20 years for Genesis Church. We will celebrate our 20-year anniversary as a church later on this year, but helping people find their way back to God has been the mission uh, since day one, going all the way back to an apartment uh, near Hazeldell Elementary, where the very first people that started Genesis met and were worshiping together. And from there, Genesis moved to a classroom at at Grace Church, and then in the fall of 2003, they moved into a banquet hall here in Noblesville, and uh, before finally settling into this pleasant street location in 2007. And it wasn't long after that that Genesis really started to grow. We quickly grew from one service on Sunday mornings to two services on Sunday mornings to we managed to figure out how to do three services uh, at one point on Sunday mornings. I mean, there was no more room. There were so many people coming. And so we had a decision to make at that time, and as our leaders prayed together and as we thought about next steps and many of you were contributing to this conversation as well, one of the things that we realized is we didn't wanna just keep getting really large at any one location, but what if we multiplied into a second location? And so in 2012, we launched our Carmel campus and I'm excited to say that our Carmel campus has grown to over 400 people today and so it's so exciting to see what the Lord is doing there. Add to that, our church's mission statement has motivated us to invest in church planting 
doing over the years, helping to plant churches in places like West Plains, Missouri, and Newport, Kentucky, and Bloomington, Indiana, and Indianapolis, and most recently in Miami, Florida. It's why we partner with ministries in Haiti, and Myanmar, and Ukraine, and Albania, and ministries right here in our own community as well. Why do we do what we do? Our mission as a church is helping people find their way back to God, and that just means that we're committed to the great commission given to us by Jesus, that we want to help people trust Christ, all right, have an encounter with Jesus. We want to help people grow in their relationship with the Lord, and then we want to invite them in to join us in doing the work of sharing the love of Jesus with others. But I want to tell you something. Here's something that we've learned over the past 20 years, and, and this may or may not shock you, but it used to be that if you wanted to introduce somebody to Jesus, if you wanted to help somebody encounter Christ, well, one of the typical things that you would do is we would just invite them to a church service, right? I mean, we'd make that our goal. Is if, I could, if I could just get them to a church service, well, then maybe Jesus could really get a hold of their life. And there's nothing wrong with that. All right, that's something that we still encourage you to do today. You know, we say people all the time, hey, invite people to a, to a worship service at a place like Genesis. In fact, some of you found Genesis or you, you found Jesus through one of our worship services. And so don't get me wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with Sunday morning worship. We believe that it's an essential part of our faith and, and good for our church family, but is it the most effective way to reach new people? Not anymore. I, I think things have changed so much for so many and, uh, and I'd say that I, I believe it's much more effective, much more Jesus-like to go out, uh, to be sent out, to, to make it our goal, to make it our aim, to, to build relationships with people that we encounter, that we rub shoulders with all day long, the people that we do life with, again, each and every day. It's something that we call disciple making. And uh, you've heard us talk about that before. You're gonna hear us talk about this a little bit more over the next couple of weeks. Uh, when, I, when I say disciple making, I'm talking about the process of sharing your faith with somebody, building a relationship with them, uh, the potential, uh, the awesome privilege of leading somebody else to Christ, uh, coming alongside of people, helping them grow in their faith and their love for the Lord, and then releasing that person to be able to go out and do the same for others. This is how Jesus did ministry. I believe this is the kind of kingdom work that Jesus has called us to, and so I wanna make it my goal. I wanna make sure that I'm living my life that way. I want the same for you too, and that, that's why I'm praying uh, that God is gonna do something really special in our church over, over this next year. I, I wanna see God change our hearts. I, I, I wanna see him grow our hearts. I wanna see him ignite or reignite a flame or a passion in us, maybe one that has potentially in some of us grown a little weak. And so here, here's what I'm praying. Here's what it boils down to. I, I, I want our church's mission statement to be your mission statement. I want it to be a big part of your life's mission how you see your life and the people the Lord has put in your life and what you do in your career and how you spend your time, that when you think about why am I here on this earth, that you won't be able to help but think, I'm here to help people find their way back to God. That's what the Lord has me to that he might have you in a position right now to reach your neighbor, to reach your coworker, to reach your friends, to reach your family. God, I believe that God wants to work through each of us. 
It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your story. Like he wants to work through you. And this is what a, bi- a big part of what it means to follow Jesus in this world. And so I'm praying that, that God gets a hold of us. And, and we're praying that the Lord will equip us and he will send us out as kingdom workers and that many more people are gonna come to know Jesus Christ through our church family. But that doesn't happen until we begin to understand that we've all got a part to play. Every single one of us and helping people find their way back to God. And for some of you, you know that. You've been living that. We, we hear stories, I love hearing stories all the time of, of those of you that are living your lives very intentionally. And so you're doing this faithfully. For some of you, you're, you're hungry, you're listening, you believe, you know, I, I wanna do more, I show me how to do more, help equip me so that I can do more. And, and so maybe you're wondering what's next. For others of you, maybe this is brand new. And the thought of it's a little terrifying. Trust me, God can use you. He can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask for or imagine. He is capable of doing these things. And so if you've got questions, don't worry. I got them too. We're all wondering, why me? What can I do? Why is this my responsibility? Let's look at some, uh, some scripture today. If you've got your Bible with you, I wanna invite you to turn to the New Testament. Uh, halfway through the New Testament to the book of 2 Corinthians. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter five. Uh, fortunately, we're not the first people to ask these kinds of questions about roles and responsibility. Interestingly enough, people were asking these questions 2,000 years ago, and that's why the Apostle Paul addressed this very issue in a letter that we call 2 Corinthians. It was a letter written to the church in in Corinth to the Christians that were there. And so Paul's letter to the church in Corinth was not only valuable insight for followers of Jesus back then, but also for us today. And so for the next few minutes, we have the opportunity to listen to Paul address this very issue and what it means that we all have a part to play. Now, here's what I wanna do. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter five. I wanna skip to the last verse for just a moment as it's important for you and me to see the motivation behind the Apostle Paul's life. We call it the good news or the, the gospel of Jesus. Like this really is the motivation behind everything we do as a church and it should be the motivation behind everything we do as followers of Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. Look what the Apostle Paul says. He says, God made him, obviously he's talking about Jesus here, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this changes everything, right? Because here's the challenge that we all face. Like we were all, every single one of us, we were born with the sin problem. And because we could never solve the the problem of sin on our own, God demonstrated his love for us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Jesus lived a sinless life, but he willingly gave his life on the cross where he bore the consequences of your sin and he bore the consequences of my sin. Like Jesus died a death that we deserve. And I don't know about you, but but, but I I don't feel, uh, especially sometimes, very deserving of of an act like that, of, of love like that. But I know this, I'm not capable of doing what Jesus Christ did did for me because when I trusted Christ with my life or when you trusted Christ with with your life, not only did God forgive your sins, but, but the promise of Jesus is this, that God took Jesus' righteousness and he transferred it to you. And so that just means that when God looks at you, when you've put your faith and trust in Christ, that when God looks at you, he no longer sees you on your own, but he sees Jesus in you. He sees Christ in you. 
in your life. He sees his son in you. That's love. And for the apostle Paul, like he made it his life's goal to never take that for granted. Like it changed the trajectory of his life forever. What about you though? And what about me? Like, I mean, is it worth pausing and just evaluating, asking the question, like, is his love, is his transforming work, is it impacting my life? Is it impacting the way that I live? And so this is what is on Paul's heart as he writes. Now back up a few verses, uh, chapter five, verse 14. Here's what Paul says. He says, for Christ's love compels us. Maybe underline that word in your Bible because Paul says, because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. I, again, I don't know about you, but that word compel just really jumps off the page at me. It means uh, to constrain. It's a word that means to control and, and in a good way. Basically, Paul says for, uh, that he's sold out. Like he understands that he's got one life to live and so he is dedicating that life to the one who gave his life for us. And that's why he could go on to say in verse 15, he says, and Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. See, for Paul, every day, every moment, every encounter belonged to Jesus Christ. And for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, for those of us that would call ourselves uh, Christians, we must remember that Jesus wants us to set aside the former things of our life, those things before him so that we can fully live for him. Because of Jesus, we have a new life in Christ. We belong to God now and because we belong to him, we no longer report to anyone but Jesus Christ. And so I can sense Paul just pleading with his friends here, urging the people of the church in Corinth, people just like you and me, who it's so easy to get distracted, right? There are so many other things going on. There are so many things to give your time and your attention to. And Paul basically says, how does the love of Jesus Christ not change you? Like, how does this life-changing reality not impact the way you live and what you do with your time and how you manage your resources and how you see people around you every single day? Uh, my friends, David and Carrie and their family serve in a really, really interesting place in South Asia. We, we support them as a church family. We support them as missionaries. And I, I can still remember when they were on this stage many years ago before they went out into the mission field. And I can remember Carrie telling the story of someone who asked, why in the world? Like, why? Why would you give your time? Why would you risk your lives? Why would you risk your kids' lives to go and live and serve and minister in such a volatile place? And I can still remember Carrie saying with tears in her eyes, because Jesus is worth it. He is so worth it. Like that's what the apostle Paul knows. He knows, he goes on, Jesus is worth it. Like Jesus changes everything for us. Verse 16, he says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. See, Paul has arrived at this striking conclusion one that has the potential to feel a little uncomfortable because as he explains, we as Christians, we're no longer able 
uh, to look at or shouldn't look at others from just this worldly perspective. It's his way of saying, as Christians, uh, we're not gonna judge people based on what car they drive or, or how they live or where they live or how they dress or who they've, they voted for. Like the world does those kinds of things. Instead, we must begin to realize that there are really only two kinds of people in this world that there are people who have trusted Christ and are following Jesus and those who aren't. Like that's the way that Jesus sees it. That's the way that he sees us, that we are either found or we are lost. That you're either following Jesus or you're not following Jesus. And the critical truth is that only those who have trusted Christ and are following Christ can have the confidence of eternal life with God that all others are destined for an eternal punishment apart from God and hell. And don't get me wrong, Jesus isn't comfortable with that because the second Peter chapter three verse nine reminds us the Lord doesn't want anyone to perish but for everyone to come to repentance. And that's where we come in. And and that's why we're motivated by the mission that that we've chosen. Like that's why it's so important that we, we play our part as a church and as Christians. We are here to help people find their way back to God because Jesus is coming back one day and only those who have put their faith and trust in him will spend eternal life with him. You've got a part to play. I have a part to play in this. You got a part to play whether you're a middle school student or a high school student. If you're in college, you got a part to play whether you're married or single. You you got a part to play if you're retired. It doesn't matter who you are. Like if, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, if he has redeemed your life, you have a part to play. There's nothing more important than your relationship with Jesus and there is nothing quite like serving him in this world. Paul continues verse 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. See, Christ was crucified, he was raised to life, and because Christ has been raised to new life, he offers that same new life to us as well. Like we are here to extend that life to others. Because again, if the cross of Jesus has changed your life, do you believe this? It has the power to change the life of anyone around you. Anyone in your life right now. I mean, it's still true today. Like Jesus can, he can change the life of the person sitting next to you this morning. Like the cross of Jesus can can change the person that's hurt you, that's disappointed you the most. Like he can change the life of your neighbor that's living next door right now. He can change the life of the teacher or the professor that you have. He can change the life of a friend or a spouse who maybe you wish was sitting here with you today. Like the cross of Jesus, the promise of the empty tomb and the new life of Jesus has the power to change anyone. And if we believe that, And if you've experienced that in your life, then we must believe, we've gotta hold on to God's promise that he can change the life of anyone. And we must then be prepared and willing to take up what's next. Verse 18, Paul says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
See, you and I, we, we can't save ourselves. There's, there's no amount of good that you or I can do to, to save ourselves. Only God can do that. As Paul reminds us, God reconciled us to himself. He addressed the, holis, the, the hostility uh, between us because of our sins, again, to himself through Christ. He put your sin and my sin on Jesus when he went to the cross. And when you, when you trusted Jesus, then you were given his righteousness, you were made new, and you and I, we belong to him. And that just means then that our job, our work, our part as followers of Jesus, as Paul says, it's right there in the text, verses 18 and 19, he says, you have been given the ministry and the message of reconciliation. In other words, God gave you and me the responsibility and the message the good news of Jesus, the moment that he saved your life. Verse 20, he says, we are then therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul says that you are an ambassador now. Uh, an ambassador is a representative uh, uh, of the person and the message of Jesus. And, and back in Paul's day, uh, for those living under the ru rule of Rome in the, in the first century, there, there was no greater honor than to be chosen as an ambassador to the emperor. An ambassador meant that you were an official representative of the emperor to a foreign country and an ambassador was trusted with influence and also the responsibility of speaking on behalf of the emperor to the people of the world. See, Paul was borrowing a concept from his culture to help Christians then as well as you and me today to better understand what we're here for. And that is that as an ambassador of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, you represent Jesus to the people of this world, the people that God has put and will be putting into your life. And so then no matter what you do with your time, uh, no matter what you do for a living, no matter where you live, like you and I, we have been given, we have been given influence and we've been given an audience for which you and I have the responsibility of sharing a greater message. And what's the message? That Jesus changes everything. And Jesus makes all things new. And I want you to check it out how these words are written in the NI reader version. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Again, here's what Paul says. So we are Christ's official messengers, ambassadors. It is as if God were making his appeal through us Here's what Christ wants us to beg you to do. Come back to God. Our mission statement as a church comes right from this very passage that we exist to help people find their way back to God and not just the church because the church can't do anything apart from people, people like you and me. And so Paul's reminder is that every person has a part to play in helping people find their way back to God. George Whit Whitfield um, was a popular and passionate preacher who lived back in the 1700s and God used his preaching along with the preaching of others to bring about revival in what we know in America today as the Great Awakening uh, and another large revival that spread throughout the United Kingdom. But for one extended season in Edinburgh, Scotland, Whitfield preached regularly at 5 a.m. 
uh, and crowds of people would come and jam-pack the building to hear him preach. Uh, Someone once recorded bumping into the Scottish skeptic and philosopher David Hume one early morning. They were surprised to see that he as well was on his way so early to hear Whitfield preach. And they asked him, Mr. Hume, like what in the world are you doing to go hear George Whitfield preach? I, I thought you didn't believe. To which Hume responded, I don't, but he does. And while a skeptic, Hume was just drawn and intrigued by Whitfield's passion for Jesus. There are times when I can't help but wonder, like what do people who don't go to this church, what do they say about me, the way that I live, and what's most important to me, what I'm most passionate about? What might they say about you? Uh, Do they know you're a Christian? Do they, they see Christ's love in you, at work in you? Do they see passion and purpose in our lives? Do they see a changed and transformed life that's worth modeling? Basically, do they see people, Jesus in, in us? Do people see Jesus in us? Because if we're not careful, we can get distracted, right? We can get preoccupied. It's so easy to get laser focused on other things. Our greatest priority, as Paul outlines today, as followers of Jesus, is to represent him to others in this world. And I'm gonna do that, and not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. I I am an ambassador for Jesus. And in the same way, if you have come to the foot of the cross, all right, of Jesus, and it has changed your life, then you and I, we've been invited. You've been invited into the same ministry and focus to you have a message to share. For every single one of us, you've got a part. We've got a part to play in helping people find their way back to God. And again, it's one thing for us to claim it and know it as the mission of our church. It's another thing to say, you know what, I'm gonna make this the personal mission of my life as well. And so my challenge for you today My prayer for you today is just this. Would you be willing to make helping people find their way back to God your personal mission statement too? Would you make it your own? Would you be willing to pray today? God, I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm willing. You can have me. You can have my life. You can bring so much more purpose in my life. And can I get you thinking about one other question too? And this is something we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks. But I'll just say it like this, who, who are your few? I mean, instead of thinking about reaching the whole world for Jesus, as awesome as that would be, or even to reach all of Hamilton County for Jesus, that would be remarkable too. Like do for one what you can't do for everyone. Who's one or two or three people that the Lord has put in your life right now and you know their name and maybe a little bit of their story and he's given you proximity to them and time with them and would you be willing to just say, you know, I'm gonna identify a few names and rather than feel overwhelmed by praying for everyone, I'm gonna just start praying for those two or those three and just ask Jesus, Jesus, would you use me in their life? Would you equip me to serve you, to represent you 
to those individuals because I'd love to see them come to know the Lord. Man, what if we could name a whole bunch of people that came to know Christ in 2023 and remember today? God can use you. He wants to use us. He wants to use our church family. And over the next few weeks, we'll talk about our role and what it means to reach others for Jesus. Let's pray right now. And I wanna just maybe give you a moment to respond to the Lord because maybe you sense him doing something in your life. And so maybe talk, take a moment and just, just talk to Jesus. Tell him you're ready. Pray for those few. Pray for them by name right now. you be willing to respond to the Lord this morning by just saying, yes, Jesus, you can use me. I'm here for you. Father, we're here for you as a church family. We want to know you and your power, your Holy Spirit power working through us. We want to see many more people come to Christ. We want to serve you faithfully with all of the time and all of the resources that you've given us. Have your way through Genesis. We're here for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.